Welcome back, everyone. A good communication plan is essential during and after a crisis. Just a few months ago, the city of Florence, my city, experienced just how critical a good communication plan is during a crisis. I mentioned earlier when tragedy strikes, leaders must rise. We are fortunate today to hear from three leaders who rise every day to keep their community safe. First, my friend, City of Florence Chief of Police, Alan Heidler. Our neighbor, Police Chief Kelvin Washington from Darlington. And Fire Chief and Emergency Manager, Philip Hendrick from Conway. They will share their stories and best practices on crisis communication, and joining them is Heather Matthews, who some of you may remember as Heather Hoops, director at MP Strategy, a public relations firm experienced in crisis management and media relations. Heather will facilitate this morning's conversation. Good morning, everyone. As we begin this discussion about crisis communication when disaster strikes, we are going to start with the tough situation that Octavia mentioned. And so to my left is Chief Heidler. And uh, Chief, 2018 was a deadly year for law enforcement uh, with 148 officers losing their lives. The leading cause was gunfire. And so having led your agency through one of the worst officer ambushes in recent history, uh, what were the lessons learned regarding your communication strategy and trying to balance the media inquiries versus the mental health well-being of your officers in the community? Yes, well, um, am I on? You are. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let me, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, had take this opportunity right now uh, to look out at all of you um, in the municipalities that you represent and to thank you uh, for your agencies that reached out to us. Uh, virtually there were, there were no agencies in this state that didn't reach out to us and we took advantage of, of some of those uh, offers and uh, we appreciate everybody's concern and I thank you from the bottom of my heart and from the Florence Police Department in the city of Florence. And uh, I'd like to say thank you to our president here today. She represents us well on council. In Florence, we have one of the most progressive councils. Now, I'm a little biased there, but uh, we have one of the best uh, councils that we have had in probably 35 years that I've been with the police department. Very progressive, and I appreciate her. Uh, she was with us the night of this tragic event at the hospital. And it was uh, a very difficult time for me to see her and I appreciate her friendship and, and the work that she does for the city of Florence. So, um, communication strategy and... and uh, mm -hmm. that, ba that balance between all those media inquiries, sure. and the public's right to know, versus the mental health well-being of your officers and the community. We'll understand that this was a, a very fluid and, and initially uh, convoluted type of uh, an incident. Um, very tragic where we lost, uh, for the city of Florence alone, we lost uh, one of my officers. Um, we had individuals who would normally be involved in uh, public information, including myself, had gotten to the scene more rapidly than other folks, so we were actually participating in, in 
the uh, incident that was taking place. Um, and I say that to say this, those people were displaced and they weren't available to do things. The sheriff's office had the lead in this, but certainly we had to get information out to the individuals in the community that we contacted and, and or that we have contact with on a regular basis. My first concern, obviously coming out of that uh, area and knowing that uh, Sergeant Terrence Carraway was uh, mortally wounded, uh, was to get to the hospital and, and uh, check in my officers and, and make sure that we were communicating to them and their families about how we were going to be taking care of them. Um, you can have any type, you can have every type of uh, communication policy. We're an accredited agency. But I'm going to tell you with the, uh, the, the volume of what took place in this, and, and, the, uh, and how tragic this, this situation was. And, and well, you just have to rely on your experience and you have to rely on um, your ability to make uh, decisions. Uh, so we were, uh, I'm at the, uh, the hospital and uh, we are uh, talking to those officers and, and, and uh, uh, making sure that uh, that they are getting with it. So we assigned, immediately contacted uh, captains and command staff, and we assigned officers to them and their families to be with them immediately so that we would have that communication between us and them. Um, and then, obviously, we have the media to, to deal with immediately. Uh, and that, uh, you have the national media there. Um, so while you're in the hospital, while you're going through all of these emotions, while you're meeting with all of these officers, it's still time to make decisions. You have to call them and, and uh, make uh, uh, arrangements with the uh, public information officer from the sheriff's office uh, and make sure that we are getting and pushing that information out immediately uh, to, the, uh, to the community to let them know where we're at with the officer's status, mm -hmm. where we're at, uh, the security of this community. Um, I hope you will bear with me as I, as I go through this um, because uh, if I stumble a little bit, it's, it, it's still very emotional to me. Um, on that night, I lost a very dear friend of mine that we had uh, um, known each other for 30 years. And uh, so, um, excuse my emotion. Um, so um, I knew as a representative of the city that I have to get in front of the cameras, and, but also we have to do that initial as a, uh, as a joint group, and we have to do it with the, the sheriff's office and us. But in addition to that, I'm thinking, you know, the mayor needs to be involved in this too, and I'm calling the, the city manager, he and the mayor together, they're in the city center of, the, uh, of our uh, government building, and. Um, they were able to get to us in time for, for them to appear also, or for the mayor to appear. He needed to be on there to, to show that level of, of, of calm in, in the face of, of this tremendous tragedy that we were suffering. Um, and he, he did a great job with that. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, it's communication. Com communication is all about you know, your officers too, you, you have to communicate what's going on with them. So 
uh, the very next day, we're, we're, we're putting together a, uh, a crisis counseling program. First thing in the morning, I'm, I'm calling all of my commanders together and we're talking about, okay, you know, initially we have to uh, talk about how are we going to put all of this together. Assignments are given out. We have human resources in the, in the uh, conference room with us so uh, that we can utilize everything that's available to us. And, and uh, we looked for crisis counseling uh, in multiple areas because we had so much, so many people involved. It wasn't just the four officers uh, that were shot, it, uh, or my officers, there were seven total. But it wasn't just the seven, four from us and four, three from the sheriff's office. But it was also a multitude of officers who were involved in this shooting situation in addition to that. 17 of my officers were involved in that. So we're looking at, okay, we've got all types of crisis counseling and at different levels. You've got to look at the individuals who, who were uh, shot, the, the family of, of the, uh, um, the officer, Caraway, who was killed. And uh, we assigned officers to be, there, to be with them, to be liaisons to let us know what we can do to help them out. Uh, that was a tremendous assistance to us. Um, but the crisis counseling came from areas like uh, Charleston, um, the uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program, and of course the city of Florence who uh, contracts with uh, McLeod Health. Uh, we use their um, uh, employee assistance program. So we had a multitude of avenues to, to assist these officers by. Um, and, uh, you know, to this day, we are still um, meeting on a regular basis to ensure that we are providing the, the, that to them. But then on the, you know, then you talk, well, then we switch back to the media again, you know, and this is, as I said, this is, this is, this is convoluted. This is, this is, you know, you're back and forth and back and forth and you have to make, you know, snap and, and appropriate decisions um, because this is something that has affected your entire community and a nation the state, the nation, it's the worst event that's occurred in a shooting of officers in the state of South Carolina. Um, so now we have to set up uh, another media right. update and uh, that takes place in, in the city center and we're able to do that. And, and uh, of course, uh, those communications go out. We, we, we received a lot of praise from the local media for being uh, so upfront and, and getting the information and pushing it out. Uh, certainly, you have to balance. There was a lot of uh, a lot of folks saying a lot of things about what had taken place that day, and you have to balance that communication with, okay, I cannot put out so much information that it compromises the investigation. Uh, so, I'll let other folks do that. But, yeah. uh, and yeah. from listening to you you covered a lot and it sounds like we're barely at 24 hours from the original act that's that's absolutely great well, yeah it had not been yes. I mean the uh, <clears throat> the second media um, yes. uh, was uh, event was um, at one or two o'clock in the afternoon of course yes. this started at four o'clock or yes. five o'clock the afternoon previous day well uh, I know many in this room have heavy hearts knowing that you and your men and women had to go through that, um, but we're grateful that you're willing to serve um, and continue to serve. 
I'm a Kansas native, and so when I moved here, I thought, what is a hurricane? <laughs> you found out. <laughs> and you got a lot of notice. <laughs> uh, Chief Hendrick, to my left again, is the chief in Conway, and we're going to talk next about a natural disaster. So 2018 was also a busy year for us with hurricanes, and many of you were impacted one way or the other, or you probably helped in the relief from Hurricane Florence. And we know that failing to communicate an honest and timely message to the community and the media can have negative consequences. Again, the balance and timing here. What we'd like to know, Chief, is what was your strategy that you employed and, and what lessons did you learn? Because it, at least with Florence, the flooding took a couple of days. So we had notice about the hurricane, then we had a break, and then we had flooding. Yes, uh, unfortunately the city has experienced three floods in four years. So mm -hmm. you, know, you have a lot of lessons learned uh, we discussed it uh, after the 2015 flood that there were you know, significant changes we needed to make internally to make sure we were better prepared for the next storm. We didn't realize that it was going to be you know, less than a year later. We were right back in the, in the same situation. So Hurricane Matthew was a very unique storm as well. You know, we, we reached a record level for, her, for uh, the Waccamaw River, and we learned that uh, we were, we were kind of behind the eight ball in a lot of things. And one of the, the biggest pieces of the puzzle was communications. Uh, since then, we have hired a uh, public information officer, and uh, she only started in March. So uh, we, we were trying to get her acclimated to the job itself, and we didn't know that we were going to have to throw her into this, this role as well. So uh, we met, I think it was about a month out from the storm, just to have a regular everyday training. We wanted to talk about a hurricane. And honestly, the, the scenario we used was very similar to what we experienced with, uh, with Florence. So, we laid it all out and we talked about the communication element and we wanted to make sure that our message was the same message across the board. Mm -hmm. um, one thing we experienced with uh, Hurricane Matthew was that a lot of people were using, and I say people, a lot of staff were using their personal social media accounts to push the message out. So you had some, some decent information coming out, but it was coming from different angles, different variations, it's more opinion based. So our, our message was going to be clear and concise and from one, one medium. So we pushed that message in the training and we pushed it again leading up to the storm. So every message that we pushed out was from one platform. Now we strongly encouraged our staff and the community to share the, the message and we determined that through the 21 days of the emergency period, we just the City of Conway Facebook page reached 1.4 million people. Wow. So it's the power of social media in 2018. So we wanted to make sure that every piece of information that we had was going to the community. We didn't want to, we want to be as transparent as possible. We wanted to make sure that everyone was prepared as, as best they can. And I really think that by getting ahead of, you know, the message in that, in that manner helped. Uh, I know that I've had several community members reach out to me and say, you know, I really appreciate the, the, the transparency and, and trying to get ahead of this message and a lot of them said they were actually waiting on the message so they could hit share. They, they, they were actively involved. And when I say share, I mean it was sharing globally, not just in the United States. I mean, this was being shared in 
New Zealand and Australia and Russia. And we, we found news articles in several different languages, you know, on the internet. So we know our message was out there and it was out there because we were trying to get ahead of it. Um, 21 days though. Right. How did you, you and your team have the stamina for that? Uh, looking back, I'm really unsure. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, it's, you look back and it still seems kind of, kind of vague on how we did survive that long. Uh, the hardest part for us was knowing we had a, a hurricane that was basically going to sit on the coast and dump rain for several days. Hmm. Uh, normally, you know, the hurricane's in and out in 12 hours. You, you're, you're out, you're in the field, you're trying to recover. This was, uh, you know, three solid days of nothing but rain and patience. And we ran out of patience on day two, I guess. I mean, it just, you know, we were, we were trying to push through as best we can. So um, we, we kind of knew that the end was coming. We knew when the rain was going to stop, and we, were, we, were, we had our game plan ready, but it was just a waiting game. So the last night, it rained, I think, 12 inches overnight. And uh, that was the strongest band of the whole storm. So a lot of communities woke up the next morning underwater. It was uh, the flash flooding, if, if you will. So we were going to neighborhoods that have never seen flooding in the history of Conway, and we were telling them that, hey, you know, we're going to help you evacuate your homes. We're going to get you to, to dry land. Just realize this water is going to go away, but there's a possibility it may come back. And this is on Monday morning, and we didn't really know exactly how much water we're going to get because the watershed flows downhill, you know, from North Carolina. And as you know, they got a lot more rain than we did. So we knew that we were going to have a, a significant situation. So. I think around Tuesday, we, we got the final model that said we would be four feet above Matthew. Not four inches, but four <coughs> feet above Matthew. So, you know, we couldn't wrap our heads around this. So we, we did some advanced modeling. We got some maps. We did some overlays. And we knew we had to target these neighborhoods. And we had a decision to make. You know, do we go out there and, and, and continue with the transparency and tell these communities, hey, there's a possibility right. that you may be underwater, or do we just kind of, you know, just wait it out? So we made the decision... We're going to tell them, and we're going to ask them to, you know, to seek shelter and, and try to make preparations, even though this is Tuesday and we, you may not see water until Saturday or Sunday. So you had this, this lull. You know, we, we took our staff, we briefed them, we said, hey, this is the message you need to tell them. Here's your map. Here's your area. Just be patient with the community because they're going to tell you that you're, for lack of better terms, you're crazy. Right. And it's exactly what they did. You know, they, were, they weren't very receptive because you have people living in these homes for 70 years have never even had water in the ditch. And now they're talking about you're gonna have water in your, in your house. I mean, it's kind of hard to, for me, I've lived in Conway my whole life and I can't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So we made the decision, we went out, we hit these communities. Uh, we had an elementary school that was, I mean, in an area that should not be seeing water that we had to make preparations for. And we had to sandbag the elementary school. And, you know, as, as time progressed, they started seeing the water come. And then it was, it was too late for a lot of people because they didn't heed the warning. So. You know, we're still pushing the message and we're still you know, trying to convince these, these residents that they need to seek higher ground. And the last couple of days before it reached the crest, I mean, it was, it was pretty chaotic in Conway. And I will say that the, 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 the community come together is, is, as one and we had people, you know, going from house to house trying to help these people. We had people move their entire contents out of their home, you know, and doing everything they can and it still wasn't enough. And, you know, we had almost 350 homes of water in them before the storm was over. So we're, we're still a long way from recovery fully. And I, I think the communication piece of this storm was, was the difference. You know, we, we did everything we could. We wanted to make sure that everyone was prepared and, and, and make sure that message was out there and, and ahead of any type of questioning. And, and honestly, because we were so far ahead of, of most of the, 
of the concerns and questions, we never really had a lot of complaints. I mean, it was a lot of positivity back to us for being so transparent and being so in front of everything. Right. I assume, though, there was probably a little hesitation because if you're wrong. Absolutely. And, I, and that was that was our biggest our biggest fear is that, you know, we go out with, you know, scare tactics, if you will. Right. If we go out and say, hey, your home's going to flood and they tell us that it's not and it never, it never comes to fruition, then right. we look like we've just, you know, it, it actually made something up. And if you take the overlay map from what we had and what the actuality, it was very strikingly close. I mean, it's, you know, there were a few areas that it missed and a few areas that it came into, but overall it was, it was pretty spot on. And I think that, you know, we made the right decision after looking back. Well, your planning definitely paid off. Paid off. Um, hopefully you won't have to deploy it in 2019. <laughs> we're, we're hoping not. We all, we all hope that. Thank you. Uh, Chief Washington has had a lot of roles in law enforcement, has a wealth of experience for us. Um, but now he's in a municipal role, and municipalities across the state have experienced a number of deaths associated with both police pursuits and jail suicides. And so a good communications plan is also needed here um, during a crisis to help reduce liability and protect residents, right, um, and maintain public trust. Because as we've heard, social media Absolutely. makes everything instant. What should our elected officials and government officials here in the room know about the process and communicating the information in situations like these that could maybe make the uh, flow of information better? Sure, absolutely, and good morning again. <clears throat> to everyone, one of the things that I always advise is to allow the police chief um, or the public safety director to handle those initial inquiries um, from the media. Um, it's very difficult when the mayor or the city manager or members of city council go out initially and provide information and then you find out that the information that you just provided is not so accurate. Now you've got to go back out there and walk that information back. Now people are going to have issues with your credibility. And so it's always better um, to allow the police chief to go out um, to, to, to handle those initial inquiries from the media um, if the police chief or the public safety director says something that is inaccurate, then the mayor can go out and clean it up. And it gives the appearance um, to the public that the mayor or the members of council or city manager, whomever you all decide to go out and do this, was in control and, and, and was aware of everything that was going on initially. But again, if you go out there initially and you do it, and then you gotta go back out there and walk it back, that walk in the back is not an easy thing to do. And again, at that point, um, there are issues with your credibility. But remember, there are issues that you created by going out there initially and doing that. Now, as she indicated earlier, my background is a little different than most police chiefs. Um, I uh, began as a sheriff. I served as a sheriff in Williamsburg for 12 years. And so I got a fan club. <laughs> And then I got, was appointed as head U.S. Marshal. When my um, term expired with the Marshal Service, I then uh, accepted the role as the police chief uh, with the city of Darlington. 
So my experiences have been a little bit different uh, than, than some of my colleagues. Now, as it relates to police pursuits, um, and I'm sure that, that Chief Heidler will, will agree with this, and uh, the other chiefs that are here will also agree. Create a policy, but follow the policy. Create a policy, but make sure that the policy is followed. Um, every year, um, we do um, training, and we train on our pursuit policy. In fact, we just did, I think, maybe a month ago. And we make sure that our employees understand what our pursuit policy is. When the training is, is completed, you know, officer so-and-so, can you please sign here stating that you've participated in this training and that you understand this training? Now, if something should take place and they go outside of that training that has been given to them, then they do something that I, I described uh, as, a, as a former sheriff. You're now getting, uh, you're now getting from under my umbrella. Amen. So you know you 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 get you're getting away from my umbrella, and the city may not be able to cover you so much because you decided on your own to go outside of what you've been trained um, to do. Um, as it relates to um, in-custody deaths, um, you know, as a sheriff, I uh, ran a um, detention center as head U.S. Marshal. We contracted with detention centers uh, all over the state. Um, when we take folks into custody, we're responsible for them. We're responsible for every single thing that's going on with that person, any kind of of medical issue that that person has, you're responsible for it. And when you deliver that person to the, and, and until you deliver that person to the detention center, you are responsible for that person and anything that goes on with them. Um, I've told my folks um, to look, if, if you believe that someone has a medical issue, you're a law enforcement officer. You're not a medical professional. Take the person to the hospital, notify EMS, get somebody else involved in it, okay? But again, at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with training, um, following the training that you um, have been trained to do, and then again, documentation, documentation, documentation. And Chief, all of that has is part of law enforcement that has changed in the last three or so decades. Um, I've yes. been married to a sheriff, and I, over the last you know several years, he would come home and, and say, I lost another deputy. He's going to work at the Target Distribution Center. I lost another deputy going here. And so this question is, last question is really for the group. Um, public safety, law enforcement, it's, cha it's changing. There's a lot more required now. How do you both recruit and retain uh, the men and women that you have on staff? And, and what suggestions would you give to those uh, from other municipalities that could maybe take some of your lessons learned home and deploy them at their uh, public safety law enforcement agencies? There are very few law enforcement agencies that do not have openings, okay? So the first thing we've got to do is you have to you got to understand that 
um, and you have to accept it. You're not the only municipality with openings. Everyone has openings. Um, secondly, um, it's very competitive. I'm having to compete with, with my good friend and former supervisor, um, Chief Heidler. Um, I'm having to compete with folks uh, with the city of Hartsville, other places within the area. But guess what? Not only am I competing with other law enforcement agencies, I'm also competing with the private sector. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're going to have to become a lot more competitive um, in our recruiting. Now, once we have recruited these folks, then now as, as chiefs, um, sheriffs, or public safety directors, or, or law enforcement administrators, we have got to create ways to boost morale within those agencies to try to, uh, to keep these folks. Because this new generation of people, you know, you don't find folks, it's very rare now to find people that's been in a profession for 20, 30 years anymore. These folks jump around from one area to the other. If, if they take a job with, um, with the city of Myrtle Beach, if they get upset about something and they see an opening in Aiken, they're heading to Aiken, Aiken. <laughs> or, you know, that's, and if they've been there two or three years, well now they want to become the police chief. And they've been there three years. <laughs> These are, this is what we are contending with. Um, I have a 28 year old and a set of twins that are 23. And I don't have to ask them um, whether or not they think they are smarter than I am. They tell me that on a very, very often. And if you've got um, children that age or young people that age, they, they, they are actually smarter than you. And if you don't believe them, just ask them. They'll tell you. You know, they've figured out a way to, to get you to continue to pay their bills. So in some aspects, they are smarter than we are. So... That's what, we're, that's what we're contending with. Um, that's the mindset that we're contending with. And so there's no one size fits all. You gotta be creative. You've gotta be creative. Um, uh, and what works in Darlington may not work in Florence. What works in Conway you know, may not work um, in Estill. It may not. So you've gotta figure out what works in your community with your folks and that's what you have to implement. Chief Heidler, I mean, what are your thoughts? How do you follow that? <laughs> um, you know, I, I echo everything that you said. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, during the economic downturn was probably the best time for law enforcement yes. for us. I mean, because we had just an influx of, of folks looking for the uh, law enforcement positions. Uh, you know, as the economy got better, then wow, yeah, we just started losing folks to private business and private industry and, and uh, certainly uh, making more money, but uh, you know we're we're advertising. Uh, we work with uh, the human resources. They've put together a really nice uh, video that kind of paints the law enforcement and the police department in a in a, in a very good light. Um, uh, you know all the benefits packages that that most yes. everybody has is uh, you know uh, very good in Florence. We also offer tuition reimbursement um, and. Uh, one of the things that we do in the police department is we emphasize training for our officers. So we're emphasizing that to these folks and we're telling them, you know, <clears throat> he's talking about, you know, 
he's got a guy that's been there a couple of years and he wants to be the chief. Well, I can tell you that we train, 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 and in three years, they've had so much training that we've had them picked up as chiefs <laughs> in other agencies. Um, you know, it's tough, and that's what we do. We, we you know, we, 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 we trade folks, and, and uh, um, but I think, you know, uh, offering uh, the training that I'm talking about and uh, career tracking is one of the things that, that we uh, really, really look at uh, when we're interviewing folks from our, uh, whether it's our oral board or whether it's the interview with me, we're talking to them about, look, you know, you come to Florence, after a year of being on the street, then we're really looking at you to career track somewhere. Let's, let's look at what you want to do in law enforcement. And then we will start, we'll tell them, you know, we're going to start moving you into uh, classes to get you prepared so you can compete uh, when, these, when these openings come up. So, you know, it's things like that. It's being creative, really. Right. Yeah, and you have to come up with, with different ideas that draw people's attention. Yes, thank you, Chief. If I could add one more thing to that. Um, I recall um, during my days as sheriff when I was in Williamsburg, you know, Williamsburg, um, in Williamsburg County, we didn't have the money available to pay the folks what they deserved um, to pay and to make. And um, one of the things that I would always tell my immediate assistants is that if someone was resigning um, to go take a job at Walmart, you know, no offense to Walmart, but if they were taking a job making less money, receiving less benefits, we've got a morale issue. You know, we've, we've got a morale issue. Um, and so it was very important to have those um, exit interviews to ask, you know, because that's, that's the time that an, a, a, an employee is going to be very, very honest with you about his, work his or her work environment is during that exit interview. They're gonna tell you, well, I didn't like this, or I like that, or I didn't like this, or I like that. Um, so I, I encourage you all um, to please make sure that your human resource folks are doing adequate exit interviews. And don't take it personal, what they tell you. You know, now one other thing uh, that I'd also like to add is that um, this new generation of folks, they're actually, looking at benefits packages, believe it or not. And they're looking at what the city of, of Florence is offering, they're looking at what the city of Conway is offering, and they're coming in and they're well-versed. And, and they'll say, well, Chief Washington, um, I understand your starting salary is, is this, but with the city of Florence, I can get tuition reimbursement. Do you guys offer that? <laughs> well, Chief Washington, I understand that um, you all are able to do this, but the city of Conway pays my family insurance. Can you do that? And so they're a lot more uh, um, educated, a lot more informed about these benefits packages um, than we were when we first got into this business. We were just happy to get in this, into this line of work and just mm -hmm. happy to be working. Right. Um, but these, these kids are different now. Right. Chief Hendrick, is it the same with public safety? It, it is. It is to a certain degree. Uh, I, th I think in, in in our case is a little different. We're a, we're a coastal county, so the draw to Horry County for the fire service is, is sometimes more about the location versus the job. 
And we experienced a lot in Horry County, you know, all the municipalities in Horry County combined. We experienced a lot of uh, interest from New Jersey, New York, hmm. uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, the colder climate. Right. They, they want to come down and enjoy. <laughs> you should be seeing an influx. Right. Uh, they want to come down and, and enjoy that side of life as well as work. And, uh, and what we're experiencing in the fire services, they're, they're coming down and they're getting all the training that we can offer and they're going back home. Oh, and they're going back home for, for oh. more, more money. Now, it's been a couple of years and go back. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's frustrating as, as a department to invest in these, in these employees when at, at the end of the day, sometimes you know they're not going to be here for the long, for the long haul. And it, oh, you know. that is a difficult and challenge. I, and I think that's just maybe more so for our, our area because of that, that right. dynamic. Right. Um, I went through my master's program and I had to write a paper on uh, millennials in the fire service. Um, I, learned, I learned a lot. And, uh, it, it, and the one thing that I did learn through my research was that the average tenure has gone from seven to nine years in the fire service to three to five. And it's just, it, that's nationwide. And it's just because, you know, like you said, they're looking for these benefit packages, but they're also looking for the next best thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what can that department offer me that's better than here? Oh, we'll give you 25 cents more an hour. Okay, I'm gone. You know, and, that's, and it, sometimes it is the bottom, the bottom line. It's not about the long term, and sometimes it's about the long term and not the bottom line. And it's, it's hard to find consistency, I think. Well, thank you to all three of you for your input today. I think you would join me in agreeing that they had, their plates are full. So let's give them a round of applause.